On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Terry Rockovich from Think Jinx. Terry is absolutely unreal. She was actually the number two employee at Casper, uh, believe it or not. So uh, when, when we're talking about direct consumer, Terry is an absolute expert. We have uh, become friends. Uh, I'm just so impressed uh, with what she is doing over there. Some really, really interesting things. You know, being a startup and not having massive uh, amounts of budget, they decided to use a, a marketing technique that I really have barely heard anybody using. And so make sure you stay tuned. This is going to be a very interesting episode, one that I have re-listened to already. Uh, so I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this one. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by D2Cdesign.com. If you're a D2C advertiser, Fresh Creative is your lifeblood. You guys know that. I talk about that all the time on this podcast. That's why it's critical to have a design team that gets you new advertising content week in and week out at a fair price. We met up with Benson over at D2C Design and came up with this special offer just for Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand listeners, which is amazing. They've generously offered to design one free set of creative ads plus... D2C design strategy sessions personalized just for your brand. So if you like what you see, give them a test and let us know how it went. I really only want to send you guys over to people uh, that you get a lot of value out of. Plus, they specialize in D2C designs that accelerate your brand growth through conversion and personalized designs across your website, email marketing, social media, ads, and everything else that you need for growth. So head over to D. 2cdesign.com. That's the letter D, then the number two, and the letter C, design.com, and claim your free set of creative ads. And please tell them that Jordan sent you. Now on to today's episode. I have Terry Rokovich, and I did not ask your name and how to pronounce it before we started. I really hope I got it right. You nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Terry, for uh, our listeners, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, my name is Terry Rokovich, and I am a co-founder and CEO of Jinx, which is an online destination for modern dog nutrition. Our website is thinkjinx.com. All of our handles on social are thinkjinx. And we started the company because the category is entirely outdated and really dominated by big CPG brands that are developing diets for dogs that we don't have as millennial pet parents. There's a host of differences between modern dogs and wolves and show dogs, as you can imagine. Yeah, most yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, most of these brands truly design for the latter of those animals. And so... Um, so, sorry, for show dogs. 
for show dog, yeah, for for show dogs, for working animals, for dogs that are highly active. Oh, okay. Um, the reality is, I've got I've got two of them sleeping behind me, but the reality is, like these dogs are sleeping fifty percent of the day, lounging thirty percent, and then they're on walks or taking really light visits to the park for the remaining. So, like we, humans. Truly, truly. My dogs would sleep all day if I if I let them. Um, and, and then we go on the occasional hike, you know, on the weekends. But but truly, um, our product philosophy is rooted in designing a diet that's more appropriate for a moderately active animal slash modern dog and putting real high quality proteins and tons of superfoods, functional foods um, and patented probiotics for gut health into the mix so that they've got a core diet two to three times a day that really helps with all of the essential health needs. And then I am the, the CEO. And so I'm kind of working alongside my team to really grow the brand. We happened to launch at the top of 2020 into the height of the pandemic. So our growth strategy certainly pivoted and I'm excited to kind of unpack some of that with you today. Yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited about that too. So you have a, a history in uh, ecom as well. Yeah, to, to talk to me about that because I'd love uh, just just for a bit of the authority there. You know, this is not the first thing that you've done. Uh, to tell me about uh, some of your previous history. Absolutely. So I started my career at a digital agency, and I would say that's really where I kind of cut my teeth in terms of understanding digital landscape, especially across a portfolio of clients that really ranged from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies. And so you kind of see everything, you know, managing really small budgets and then managing millions of dollars a month. And I would say that the mindset it takes to design media plans and strategies for those those different types of businesses with different KPIs um, really kind of stretches you and exposes you to a lot. And so that was a fantastic experience that then informed kind of the next couple of gigs, all at which were on the brand side at different startups. And so I went to ModCloth, which was a vintage inspired online apparel company. Relocated. My wife shops there. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Fantastic opportunity for for a first time startup. I had kind of joined right as they were raising their Series A and at a really, I, I think, really opportunistic kind of inflection point. And so we got to I got to ride that rocket ship for four years and then had the opportunity to join a pre-launch mattress startup, which didn't sound sexy at the time, but little did we know it would become a unicorn. Um, and that was Casper. And so I left San Francisco. I hopped to New York and joined the team pre-launch. Also, had the opportunity. how many employees at the time? Well, I was the second employee, the second non-founder. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty insane uh, to be honest. And actually that's where I met my co-founders. So both of my co-founders were also pre-launch employees and like we had just really locked arms and that experience worked really well together and then decided to kind of do it again, but in a different category. So cool. And what year was that? That was 2014. Wow, crazy. I actually, I got a chance to talk with Sam Prochenka from Good Morning. They own, I think it's like six or seven, they have six or seven different brands uh, up in Canada and they were doing the mattress in a box since 2010 up here. So they were, they were totally in that same sort of space. Uh, the, you know, at the time, non-sexy kind of space. And, uh, and yeah, I had a super interesting conversation uh, with him about that. So yeah, I am super interested to hear uh, about your brand now and making that leap, first of all, because it sounds like you've had some really cool opportunities to work within companies. And now um, you're the CEO of this company. Did, did you take any of the learnings from any of those previous launches into what you are doing now, especially like in the funding sort of side, I talked to a lot of bootstrapped companies and uh, I'd love to hear sort of how that worked from your side. 
Absolutely. So I will say having an e-commerce background and a growth track, it certainly helped in fundraising. We had, you know, taken our first couple of meetings and everybody wanted to talk about growth and performance marketing and how you were thinking about competing and what's becoming kind of these heavily congested marketplaces. And so I was glad that I had that arsenal of information and, and I had absolutely. It. Yeah. And I had acquired it through, um, you know, these startups that actually had really impressive growth stories. And I was, I was kind of able to be a part of that alongside um, a larger marketing team or organization. And so it really helped with just kind of like pinch hitting and answering questions during the fundraising process. And then once we were financed and incorporated and kind of formed the business in early 2019, we spent the first year just architecting the go-to-market playbook. Um, doing a ton of research, finding the right industry experts to assist with product development and testing and production and manufacturing. And so I would say that like, you know, my business partners and, and a panel of nutrition experts really drove the product side of the business, but growth and marketing and e-com strategies that in my wheelhouse. And, and I would say that, you know, we definitely pulled inspiration from Casper because that was something where we'd started with a $30,000 monthly budget and grew it to $7 million in, in marketing spend per month by the time I left. And that was in four years. <laughs> wow. and so it's like, yeah, you just, you see a lot, you learn a lot, you fail a lot. And we took a lot of those learnings and really just applied them to our business. That's super cool because you would have had to, especially going through that, that growth at Casper, you would have had to be incredibly efficient with your marketing spend at first, right? With a $30,000 budget, I mean, comparatively to that 7 million, it really, it really changes your mindset, right? When you're working with, with a small, a smaller type of budget like that. I'd love to hear how you guys in this last year, because you launched during COVID and, and have had some success. I'd love to, to talk to you about what that's looked like, um, because it probably hasn't looked like the classic Facebook, Google story, right? Absolutely. So, you know, as mentioned, we soft launched our business in what would have been January of 2020. And we really launched into the height of the pandemic. And so we scrapped our go-to-market playbook and focused on growing through digital only. We had a lot of experiential stuff that we wanted oh, cool. to do for activation purposes. And we had some partners lined up and all of that um, really kind of was was tossed or left on the cutting room floor. And, you know, because it's so expensive to acquire through non-brand searching Google and then prospecting in Facebook, Instagram, we were just like, we've got a small team. We can't, you know, we can't boil the ocean. So what channel or channels can we add to kind of this small portfolio and really lean into? And I would say that, you know, as, as a new brand, we knew that consumer trust was going to be a really big factor for conversion. And so things mm -hmm. like third-party validation and social proof were just so critical to being criteria that we could we could evaluate those channels through. And so, you know, we landed with, I would say like an affiliate program. I call it a partnership program, a strategic partnership program, because I think affiliates can kind of be like a dirty word in marketing. Oh, totally. From like the early like 2000s on, it's like affiliates is like, oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we all get what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we decided that affiliates is going to be a really great 
way and, and safe way, frankly, to grow our business and would really complement kind of the spend in other channels, those channels being paid search and paid social. And so, you know, that's what we started. And I think that like we very much so realized like affiliate marketing is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we knew we would start small. We, we had laser focus in terms of really exploring the landscape and figuring out which partners could assist with kind of creating content with the objective of really just like making the consumer feel educated and equipped with the right information to write, to, to make a good decision. And, and that's kind of where we started. Interesting. So can you walk me through exactly what that affiliate program looked like or the, the partner? Let's, let's just call it a partnership program because... I like that term better. <laughs> sure. Yes. So starting with your partner matrix and commission structures is just generally helpful in terms of identifying priorities and allowing the program to grow over time while you chase other like high touch opportunities with major publishers. I think that there are, you know, really large affiliate programs, and often those are ones built over the course of many months or many years. Um, but we started with a pretty narrow focus, and we knew that coupon and deal sites were going to be part of converting bottom funnel traffic. But where we wanted to spend the majority of our time was on content partnerships that were just frankly more likely to drive incremental traffic to the website. And so yeah. we just set up this matrix of commission rates by kind of partner type, and then began to prioritize those relationships accordingly. And I would say like, part of that exercise was definitely establishing a hierarchy of KPIs. Yeah. And so we looked at ROI and CPA and sales, but you know, we also monitor things like AOV and LTV and C- uh, CDR, I call it CDR, conversion rate because we have a subscription business. And so as you can imagine, like with a replenishment product, the value for a subscription customer certainly kind of compounds over time. And so that was kind of part of the origin of setting up the channel. And then it also assisted with driving prioritization for partner types through this kind of commission structure that values the quality of potential traffic and potential customers. And so while we had this foundation of sites that were really easy to set up that fell within the coupon deal or loyalty um, vertical, we we really kind of then carved out what it could look like to chase bigger editorial opportunities and partnerships. And, and so these editorial partnerships, they'll actually do affiliate deals with you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. So that, cause that's something I'm, I'm actually not super familiar with. So, so you approach like a certain publication mm-hmm. and tell them that you want to do an affiliate deal rather than paying for some sort of like ad advertorial idea. Is that kind of w- what you're getting at? Yeah. So, you know, you can do outreach or in some cases we received inbounds, but the criteria was really just looking at the, I would say like the monthly organic traffic volume and then figuring out if that was the right place to spend our time, spend our time in the vein that like we've got a brand book and we, we were really high touch in terms of establishing the relationship between editorial team or property and, and CEO or uh, co-founder. Um, so I could voice over our story, hand over a book in terms of how we position our product um, and what we offer and, and who it's intended to serve. But then also just like have a really lovely rapport with the person that's really like reviewing your brand and creating content on your behalf. And so that was that was definitely part of the process. And I would say that like even on the press side of things, there's so many publishers today that 
plug into Skim Links, um, which is a program uh, that I would say like is often favored with like press publications, and they all work on kind of this commission structure that's kind of happening on the back end. Interesting. How would you recommend to somebody to go about getting their first sort of, because this is different than an influencer deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we all know how to do influencer deals. How, or, or for the most part, <laughs> how would you go about starting to make those contacts? Like you must have come out of Casper with a lot of contacts. We did. Or did you just have to start hunting for them? We did, but you know what? Like the the mattress review space is a lot different than like the dog wellness slash nutrition space. And so yeah. um, we optimized for basically what we considered um, high value partners. And so we found basically like the top 10 voices in the community um, that- and what- can, can you break down what that community looks like? Like, are you, are you talking about like pet specific publications? Are these online only? Are they also physical? Like what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, I would say, so our first top 10 list, eight out of 10 were dog food review sites. And they oh, okay. all, yeah, they all qualified with at least 500,000 uh, organic visits and traffic per month. And so there's a lot of review sites out there. We really like funneled our energy to the top traffic sites. Yeah. Um, and then we threw in, uh, we threw in a mommy blog who was, you know, this woman who's basically like done a ton of content that spans the gamut, but she's got two kids, like one baby and one dog and creates really fun and compelling content. And then I would say the other one is like a very large, socially popular blog that covers animal content, mostly animal videos, but they, you know, they're definitely a big one. And all of those were, all of those relationships were structured through a rev share or a commission basis. I love it. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, I'm like really actually literally just trying to learn what you did there. Mm -hmm. Cause I just don't know that world. I've never been in that world. I've always been in the performance side. Um, and that's been good enough up until now. And now people ask the question, right? Uh, I, I often see it asked like, what happens when customer acquisition cost gets higher than lifetime value on these platforms? Well, you have to start looking at things like what you're doing, right? You have to look and see like, well, where else is this traffic being aggregated? And there's, it's not only that, right? With with the kind of affiliate deals that you've set up, you're also getting the halo effect of all of the publications that you're working with at the, at the exact same time. So I, I'm, I don't have to sell to you why it's so great. I just, I love it. And I, I love learning about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know what? There's, there's kind of like, upside beyond that um you know as well as i do that like the the third party content especially from sites with high domain authority then starts to rank um and then starts to create this really favorable landscape within search on the organic side and so there's also all of this benefit in the seo world too so it it has been like the nicest complement to the core of the portfolio which is very much performance focused through paid search and paid social but you know, again, like we had to uh, de-risk ourselves as a small business that's between fundraises, a seed and a series A. We have to spend our money smart. We have to show, you know, impressive growth, but at a clip that's sustainable. And so this is something that feels performance-based in nature. You're really not paying unless you're converting. Mm -hmm. And so it it really just complements the portfolio and it helps with their blended portfolio CPA in terms of bringing it down. What I, I think you had mentioned it before, but for our for our audience, if they didn't hear that before, what um, program or what software are you using to track all of these commissions? Because um, I can imagine that that is a lot of work. 
it is a lot of work. And I would say after a mere nine months, we've grown the program to a pretty sizable place. Uh, we are using a, a platform called Rakuten and Skimlinks. And Skimlinks. Okay. Okay. And and those work in, in tandem together? They do. Yep. Okay. And then you, you basically set up you know, a, a library of assets. You set up your commission structures by partner type. Um, you can make allowances for certain publishers in terms of if you want to scale that up or scale it down. Um, and then all of the tracking is set up through those dashboards as well. Cool. Cool. That's that's great. Uh, I got to ask you the question that I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. Mm-hmm. What is your secret to scaling? Secret to scaling? I would say quick iterative testing. And, you know, I come from a school of thought that is to get something as perfect as possible before making it public. But you don't have time for perfection in a startup environment. And so if you can sprint to get something in an MVP state, launch it and then collect real data points and then optimize it, I think it will get you to where you need to be much faster. Awesome. Awesome. That is an absolutely great. uh, That's just great advice. Uh, I've got three more questions for you. This is our... I called it our lightning round for about 200 episodes, but it's always pretty slow. So this is just my extra three questions, we'll call it. (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Right now, I'm... I'm pretty obsessed with Clubhouse. I would say like the the most functional app I have on my phone is the Shopify app. And I'm in that multiple times a day. My usage, my usage rates are very high on the Shopify app, but I'm mildly obsessed with Clubhouse because there's so many functional rooms. And actually there's a ton of people that talk about growth strategies in really like informal and helpful ways. Um, and so I found a ton of hidden gems just by going into some of those rooms, um, listening to tactical conversations, and then and then being like, I've been so close to the sun, I didn't think about it in that capacity. Like, let me go try that. Yeah. And so Clubhouse yeah. has been like, it, it's just been it's a it's been a, a nice thing to do. Like when I'm walking the dogs, when I'm taking breaks between meetings, and so on. I made fun of Clubhouse so much when it first came out. I'm like, this is such a waste of time. Who's going to go on here? And now I started my own e-com club and we we have three meetings scheduled every single week. And it is incredible from from the opposite perspective of somebody who hosts rooms all the time. You know, we used to do for our uh, for our agency, we would do webinars, right? As sort of like a lead gen kind of tool. And, you know, maybe you get, 10 to 15 people out, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Like webinars are just not what they used to be. Clubhouse will have like 50 people show up. I'm like, how? How, how does this, it's, I, I can't say enough good things about Clubhouse now. So I was wrong, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry, I got another question for you. Uh, what is your favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Um, you know, one that I keep going back to. So I've, I've read the physical copy from front to back, but I often need to be reminded of, um, of the content. It's called Essentialism by uh, Gregory McCune. And it basically helps you develop a mindset that recognizes that only a few things are very important. And so mm. it's really like this mentality around, it's not an efficiency model. It's, it's a mentality around doing more of the right things until, until you are really just kind of optimized with your time. And, and it's kind of, you know, operating under the premise that less is better. And I think that we all, you know, start the year off with these aspirations around your intentions and where you want to spend your time and how you can extract the most value from what you're doing. And then very quickly, like you're back in the mud and 
you're doing things or spending your time in places that like ultimately don't really matter. And and that happens to me all of the time. So I need a hard reset. And I go back to this book, I downloaded it, because I just need to go back to it. And I need to hear those lessons again. So I can just re implement them into my life. I, I, lo- I love that. I mean, I'm thinking of like how many other books I've read around that subject and how incredible that idea is. Like recently, like the one thing, there's another one that's kind of about about that, right? About doing that one thing. Uh, huge. I mean, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that is like one of the biggest takeaways is living in the uh, important and not urgent um, quadrant of your life, which is very similar to to that. Um, to me that it's transformational. It really will transform you from being this person that, you know, just runs around with your head cut off, uh, and just doing all of these things to really actually being effective and, and impactful in the world. Um, so all that to say, I have never read essentialism, but it's uh, now going to be on, uh, my list here. So I just put it in. <laughs> Uh, one more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have some, they have to be alive, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine. Uh, who would it be? Michelle Obama. 100%. Oh, okay. So I actually, I think it was yesterday or the day before I had another guest say Michelle Obama. I'd love to hear your reasons for Michelle. You know what? She, she has always been what I would consider just a force. And I think that, you know, even while she was kind of in office and doing really great work, she just set such a great example, I think, mm. for, for girls, for women, for humanity. And, and I think that upon listening to a lot of her speeches or watching a lot of her interviews, I just cling on every single word. And I, I would imagine if I had an opportunity to be with her one-on-one, I would probably just like squeeze her for information <laughs> and hope that like there was some type of energy transfer. But I, I just think she's a force. She's a light. She's brilliant. And she's such a great role model. That's a great answer. Terry, thank you so much for your time today. I'm really excited to see uh, you guys continue to grow. You really did teach me something today. Uh, so I am incredibly happy. The questions I was asking were really genuine questions today because I want to know that world. So uh, thank you so much for that. Where can people find out more about you and more about your brand? Sure. So the website is thinkjinx.com. All of our social handles are at thinkjinx. And then I'm just at Rockovich across most platforms on IG. I'm Terry Rockovich. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, thanks again. And we'll make sure to put all of those into the show notes. Thank you so much. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.